Last week we talked. Last week we talked about being clay in God's hands um, and allowing Him to to mold us into the person that He created us to be. We we talked about this transformation that takes place in a person's life when they choose to follow Christ and and seek to learn from Him, and, and they go from this self leading life to a Christ-led life. There should be a difference in our lives from when we didn't know Christ to when we choose to follow Christ and, and we build in our spiritual life. Well, today we're going to look at uh, uh, part of, um, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at um, these five stages of discipleship. Uh, this is just one model of, of um, discipleship theory, if you will, of how a person goes from um, infancy to adulthood um, in their spiritual life, uh, much like uh, we do in, um, in human life. As you know, we're born an infant, we get to adulthood. The same is true for us as followers of Christ. There's a progression, or there should be a progression in our lives uh, that shows where we were to where we should end up. And I'm putting to, together a packet, and I'll give you some of these uh, different theories uh, next week. Um, but for this, for what we're going to look at, we're going to look at five stages of discipleship. Um, but before we get into the, the meat of, of this message, I want to be very clear about something. Um, because it will be really easy for you to hear some of the things uh, that I'm going to say and um, uh, say, nope, that's not me, um, even though it's you, um, just because it, you don't want it to be you. Um, and uh, the first thing I want to say is that no matter where a person falls in these stages, there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's okay to be in the beginning stages. It's okay to be in the middle. It's okay. It doesn't matter. It's okay. Do you hear me? It's okay no matter where you are in these stages. It doesn't mean that the person sitting next to you, if, if they're in a higher stage than you are, it doesn't mean that they're better than you. Um, it just simply means that they're farther along in their spiritual journey than you are. It's perfectly fine. We're not all going to be in the same place, and that's perfectly fine. Um, but however, uh, I will say there is one negative thing that can happen. Um, the negative thing is that if you are in a, one of these stages and you've stayed there, and you haven't grown in your faith. If you gave your life to Christ and that's where it stayed, then that, that can be a negative thing. Because just like uh, we don't want our babies to be babies forever, right? You, we, like after the second month, you know, changing diapers is no longer cute. It's like hurry up already and get potty trained. At least that's how I am. You know, so we want the child to grow, right? Eventually, they become teenagers, and we're like, "Would you please get out of the house already?" You know, it, you know, I, I say that, and you know, my oldest is twelve. You know, <laughs> I'm not ready or anything. You know, 
Um, no, I'm just kidding. But so there should be a progression. So we don't want to stay in the same place. But listen again. If you find yourself in that situation where you've kind of stagnated in your faith and you haven't moved forward, it's okay. Because the first thing that needs to happen for you to grow in your faith is acknowledge and be real with yourself that this is where I'm at. Because if you are an, an infant and you try to tell yourself or convince yourself that I'm an adult, it, it won't work. You know, I, I've got two girls right now, you know, six and three, going to be seven and four next month. And they, they think they're already teenagers and adults. And it's like, no, you're a kid. Slow down. Like, you, I don't want you to be that big yet. You know, uh, Samantha just recently, you know, cut her hair and real short. And it's like I, my uh, father-in-law texted back after we sent the picture to him. It was like, is Dustin polishing his shotgun? You know, and he's like, get ready. It's like, that, that scares me to death. So slow down. Acknowledge where you are. Be real with yourself. Um, because the only person you're hurting in the end is not me. It's not anyone else but you. And the whole point of this is for us to acknowledge where we're at and to grow, to, to grow in our faith, to grow in our relationship with God. And so the first stage, the first level that we find, so stage one is the spiritually dead, the spiritually dead. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 says, as for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. Sorry, I forgot I'm running this. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in you, those are who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. So here Paul is pointing out that there was a point in our lives where we were spiritually dead. To be spiritually dead, those are people who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They have not accepted Jesus Christ into their life. Uh, they may reject God, but at the same time, they may be seeking God. They may be looking for answers. They may be struggling. They may even claim to know God or call themselves a Christian, but there's no fruit. There's no fruit to back up what they say with a claim to be a Christian. Because see, remember we talked about last week, to, to be a follower of Christ is, is to have evidence in your life of following Christ. There should be fruit of evidence showing that you are following him. Not to be morbid, but what expectations 
do you have for a dead person? I'm sure many of us have been to funerals. We've seen a, a dead person. What are our expectations for a dead person? Anybody have any? I hope not. If you do, I'll give you a name of a good counselor. Um, but no, we don't have any expectations of a dead person, right? So we need to do the same for someone who does not know who Jesus Christ is, has not accepted them into their lives because they're spiritually dead. So our expectations of that person must meet where they are. We can't expect someone who is spiritually dead to attend church every Sunday. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen once, probably. You know, Christmas and Easter, if we're lucky. But our expectations have to meet where the person is, no matter where they fall in this spectrum of, of discipleship. Here are some typical statements or questions that someone who is spiritually dead might say. You might hear them say, I don't believe there's a God. The, the Bible is just a bunch of myths. Religion is a crutch for the weak. There are many ways a person can get to God. Many paths that lead to God. I have been a good person, so when I die, everything will be okay. I'll take my chances with the, the big man upstairs. There is no absolute right or wrong. If something's right for you, it, it might not be right for me. And vice versa. So there's a, a spiritually dead people. How many of you know someone who you would say would fall within this, this stage, spiritually dead? I hope many of you are raising your hands because we just made a list of them, right? That's the whole point of this. Okay, good. So we're on the right track. So stage two, a spiritual infant. A spiritual infant. 1 Peter 2, 2, 2 and 3 says, Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So in this stage, we see that a person has accepted Jesus Christ into their life. They've asked Jesus to come into their life and to be their Lord and Savior. And they're just beginning this walk, this relationship with God. However, this stage is not limited just to new Christians. It's not limited to just people who have just decided to, to give their life to Christ. This stage also has people who have been Christians for a long time. They haven't grown in their faith at all. They pretty much, they've given their life to Christ and they had that spiritual high where they were doing everything they could to get to know God and then all of a sudden things just stopped. Well, more than likely, they didn't just stop. There was a progressive stop to them. But they stopped growing in their faith, so they stagnated. 
These could be people who have literally attended church for the very first time, and they could be people who have literally been in the church their whole life, but not grown in their faith. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says, in, in fact, by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. The writer of Hebrews here is, is talking to the people that he has discipled. He's led them to Christ and, and he's telling them that it's been a long time since you received Christ into your life, but yet you're still doing the infant things. You're still seeking spiritual milk, if you will, but you should be at the point in your life where you're, you're an adult. You're, you're eating solid food, and you're, you're giving to other people, but yet they've stagnated in their faith, and they've stayed where they were. You see, spiritual infants tend to lack knowledge about what Jesus taught. It's not that they're not unintelligent. It's not that. But they simply are uninformed in, in need of the truth. Their lives are generally all about them and what they think works to fulfill their own perceived needs. Like actual infants, they don't know any better. They have been trained by the world to consume. So naturally, they look to their pastor and the church as a service that will cater to their needs. So we're thinking about an infant. Now think about a, literally an infant child. An infant child needs the care of another person. Because without that care... There's no growth. They don't grow, right? Because if they don't have the care of a mother or a father to feed them, to clothe them, to change their diapers, to love them, life fades quickly. And so is the same with a spiritual infant. They need someone in their life to care for them, to love them through this. Some of the things that you might hear of statements or questions that a spiritual infant might say. I need to go to church regularly? I've never heard that before. I didn't know the Bible said that. Tithing? What's that? I don't need anyone else. It's just me and Jesus. I need someone to regularly care for me. In, in my favorite. My wife and I just got baptized, and on the way home from church, we got in this big fight. What is up with that? I thought Jesus was supposed to take care of all of our problems. But it's, it's simply a stage where they don't know, and it's okay. Okay. 
it's, it's not that there's anything wrong with what they said. Because in their mind, it makes 100% sense. But to people who are higher stages, it's like, what are you talking about? And it sounds silly. But going back, our expectations have to match where that person is. People in this stage, they need a mentor. They need someone to care for them. They need someone to feed them. At this stage, they need the truths of the Christian faith taught and modeled for them. Because just like a child, as it grows, the parents have to model and teach the children what is right and what is wrong. What's appropriate to say, what's not appropriate to say. What are good situations to get into? What are bad situations to be in? They need someone who can disciple them. Stage three, a spiritual child. So they've grown from infancy to, to being a child in their faith. First Thessalonians uh, 2, 10 through 12 says, You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. And then 1 John, I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. So literally, the New Testament writers, we see that they, they're, they're calling these new believers children because they're not yet adults in their faith. They're still growing. They're still maturing. But what the difference between infancy and childhood is that they've grown. They've grown in their faith. There's been a transition taking place. There's been transformation that has taken place in their life. But though they are growing in their faith, their spiritual life is still primarily focused on themselves. Think about the characteristics of a typical child. A child can do some things by him or herself. Yet, they're still quite dependent on the care of parents. They still need the leadership and the guidance from the parents around them, but they're, they're growing. They're not staying where they were. There was a progressive, you can see the evidence. I'm kind of, I, I like when we go to uh, well visits for children um, because the, the doctor shows us this little graph. And it tells us, you know, where the child is compared to, like, the rest of the children being, you know, this data being gathered on. And, and so we can see the progression. We can see how they're growing. And, and if they're, they're not growing in a certain area, may, maybe they're not as healthy weight-wise as they need to be, then we can take action. We can put steps into place of we need to get more protein in their diet. We need to put more solid foods, more milk, more nourishing supplemental things that help them grow. But it's because we've evaluated 
It's because we didn't look at the chart and say, well, no, actually my child's up here in the 98th percentile when they're like down here at the 20th. You know, it's being honest with yourself. This is where I am and it's okay, but this is what I need to do to go forward. People in this, the child stage, they it may serve in the church, but usually it's because they feel like it's expected of them or it's only because they have found some personal benefit from it. So they haven't yet realized, they haven't yet learned that serving in the church is about serving other people. It's about serving because God has, has called us to be servants to one another. There, there has to be this progression of going from me to we to us. Typical statements or questions that a spiritual child might say. I don't know if this church is meeting my needs anymore. Maybe I should go to a different church that does better. Don't branch my small group into two because then I won't be with my friends. Who are all these new people coming into our church? The church is getting too big. It's, it's too hard to get a parking spot anywhere. Anybody have any problem with that today? Okay. Just check. Just checking. We're doing good on that one. Uh, why do we have to learn new songs? I like the old hymns better. I didn't like the music today. No one ever says hi to me at church. No one ever calls me to see how I'm doing. No one spends time with me. The pastors don't care about me. Today in the lobby, a pastor looked right at me and didn't even say hello. My small group is not taking care of my needs like they should be. Oh, my favorite one. I wasn't fed by the sermon today. Why don't they have a ministry for singles at the church? This church must not care about single people. Well, I would join the worship team, but no one's ever asked me. And I'll avoid the last one. Don't want to go there, sorry. But are these things wrong for their stage, for their faith level? No, it's not. If they stay there, it becomes a problem. If the people in the church who know the answers to these, that know that this isn't a healthy place, don't correct them, don't help them learn, then what we've done is we've created this culture where it's okay to be a child in your faith. By not correcting people, we're saying it, it's okay to think that way. But see, what we've done is we've created a culture, one, where growth is not happening for people 
in their discipleship walk. But we've also created a place where we create conflict. Because if, if you heard any of those things that I just said, those are all conflict situations. All of them. But it's created out of simply not having a process of discipleship of where we're guiding people through this process and teaching them the new ways of thinking, of living life that God has shown us. You know, it's really easy for us to look at these and say, well, I disagree with what you're saying. Well, that's why I started out with a scripture for each one because they're all biblically relevant. They're all right there in the Bible. The disciples, the apostles are talking specifically about these stages of development. When Paul says, I wish you would become like me. He's not saying, I wish you would do all the things I do. I wish you would act like I do and behave like I do. No, what he's saying is, I wish you would grow in your faith like I have. I wish you would leave the infancy and that you would seek to grow in your faith to be an adult. To, to be that person that can now teach the, the new infants about what it means to follow Christ. People in this stage need a strong relational connection with someone in the spiritual community. They need someone to help them transition from this life of me to being about God in, in the kingdom of God. They need to learn to trust God in obedience, doing what the word says rather than their feelings, rather than what their feelings are telling them to do. Really quick, as I'm going through these and as I'm like thinking about these in my head, I just want to clarify some things because I, I think this stage is where a lot of people can get hung up because it's a huge transition point because the next transition point is literally going away from me and really it's, it's focusing now on on everyone else. And that's a huge transition. Do you agree with me on that? Can we agree that that's a huge thing? I mean, because let's be honest, we're all selfish to a degree. I mean, we all are. You know, for example, uh, don't branch my small group into two because I won't be with my friends. Well, the purpose, what's the purpose of a small group? The purpose of a small group is to grow your faith. And if you're with a group of people where you're now comfortable and you can share everything about your lives, that is great. That, we want that. We're not saying you have to never talk to those people again and you can't go back to them for help when you need. We're not saying that. But when we split a group into two is we're saying you're comfortable. It's time to get out of comfort, and it's time to pull in some of these other people that, that may not be as far along spiritually as you are, and we need you to lead them. We need you to now teach them the, the ways of following Christ so that they can grow in their faith. 
That's what a small group is about. I'm not even going to touch the music one. Um, no one ever says hi to me at church. Uh, the next question I would ask is, how many times have you said hi to someone else? Because a lot of times that's the case. A lot of times it's, well, no one ever says hi to me, but what you do is you come in the door and you sit down in your pew and you say, who's going to be first? Line up. You know, I'm just waiting. Come say hi to me. But until then, you're, you know, you're, you know it, the funniest, we're, I'm wasting my time telling it. Anyway, that in, it's in seminary. They showed this video of this pastor that was getting ready to preach. And for whatever reason, they showed the greeting time. And the last class we just had was about like making connections and discipleship and everything. And so we're in this preaching class. And there's this guy like in the second row. And all these people are greeting. And he's just standing there. And it's like, why isn't anyone shaking his hand? I mean, he's this classic, like, what's wrong with me? But then it's like, wait a second, what he, what, why isn't he doing anything? It can't be all on everyone else. Because, see, people in the stage, they're not thinking about where you are or what you should be doing. I'm sorry, that's the reverse. They're not thinking about what I should be doing. They're thinking about what you should be doing for them. But you see, it, what can we do for everyone else? I wasn't fed at all by the sermon today. I like this one. Who's, let's, let me ask, who's the primary person responsible for whether or not you grow in your faith? Yourself. And here's the thing, and I'll say this, and I've had to grow in this too, because when, as being a pastor, going to another church, I like get in like analytical mode, and it's like, ooh, like evaluate everything, and it's like, what do you preach on? You know, I'm too busy thinking about everything else. But it's like, there should not be one person, no matter who they are, no matter what their giftedness in, in preaching or teaching or anything, if they get up here, you should be able to learn something about yourself or your faith. There's always something. But you see, the determining factor is not the quality of the preaching. It was, what am I seeking to get out of this? Where am I? What is my stance in this situation? Because you see, as, as my role in, in a pastor in preaching and teaching uh, is to prepare the message, to, to listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to me, telling me what I should say. But here's the thing. I cannot prepare a message for Betty, for Sharon, for Jeff, for Rayanne, for Jerry... I can't prepare a message strictly for every single person, right? That would be like ridiculously amount of writing. At the same time, I don't know where every single one of you are. 
I don't know what you may have been struggling with this week that God may use in a message that I have no clue about. But you see, if I'm not listening, if I'm in the congregation and I'm not listening, if I'm not saying, God, speak to me, then the only reason I'm not hearing and I'm not learning is because I haven't put myself in a posture, in a position to receive it. So we have to go from this place of it's not about someone feeding me anymore to the next stage of how can I feed other people? Well, I would join the worship team, but no one's ever asked me. Why haven't you asked? I may not know you're a gifted singer, or I may not know you can play an instrument. And I may never know if you don't tell me. You know. Tell me. I'd love to know. Enough said on that. Next week, we're, we're going to look at stages four and five. We're going to continue to look at how we grow. And it's important that you are serious with yourself because this is what will catapult you into growth is realizing, you know, when I give you the handouts next week, looking through there and saying, you know, I'm here. This is where I am. What do I need to do? How, how can I grow? And that's what I want us to look at as a church, is to begin being serious about this whole discipleship thing of how can we take someone that comes in our doors and is spiritually dead, and how can we walk them through a process? Well, it's not a process. I hate that word process because what may work for me may never work for Sharon. It, it, it's going to be totally different for everyone. So it's not a cookie-cutter model. But how can we walk through this transformation of a person's life with them? So that we're not, we're not seeing someone give their life to Christ and we're saying... Good job, now figure it all out, the rest, because you're on your own. You know, as the body of Christ, we should be coming alongside people and, and helping them grow. And just being honest, I feel like, um, and I'm not saying this is any of your faults um, as much as it mine, but I feel like that's a weakness that we have in the church. Um, and we need to do better at is helping people grow in their faith. Um, and, and it, it doesn't happen on Sunday morning alone. You know, I know my sermons are just ridiculously good, but they're not that good. You know, it, it's more than just up here because it has to make the process and the transition from here to here, and if it doesn't go from your head to your heart, there's no transformation. So how do we walk through that transformation with each other? So, Jeff, would you come?
Let me pray with you. Jesus, I thank you for your love for us. Um, because in, in, in a message like this, I, I don't see confrontation. I see love. You love us enough to, to want us to grow in our faith and our, in our love for you. Just like an infant child grows and becomes a beautiful creation, a beautiful adult living on mission with a purpose that you have given them in their life, so a child grows in their faith. God, help us to be honest with ourselves of where we are so that we can grow. Help us to, to be honest with each other so that we can help each other grow because we can be upfront and honest about this. None of us have arrived. None of us are, are you, Jesus. None of us are perfect. The expectation is one thing, and it's growth. That's it. Jesus, help us to grow in our relationship with you.